Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Jeanette Manrara is a professional dancer, choreographer and television presenter. She's one of the hosts of Strictly Come Dancing It Takes Two, and spent almost eight years dancing on Strictly. Today I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. So hello Jeanette, I am so excited to be talking to you, I can't tell you. I am literally a Strictly Come Dancing super fan. Super. <laughs> like That makes me really excited. <laughs> it is literally my entire life for the winter. What would we do in winters without it's Because British winters are so depressing that Strictly Come Dancing is everything to everyone because it is the only cheery thing that happens in the winter. I absolutely love it. I love it. The lead up to Christmas, isn't it? Everybody says it's the lead up to Christmas. You have a cup of tea in front of the telly on Saturday. Scream at the television. You disagree with the judges. <laughs> My husband takes the piss out of me all the time because I will say, I because I know nothing about dancing, literally nothing, but um, have learned the lingo over the many years of watching it. And I will say things like, I will say, oh, their hands are terrible. And then the judges always say, brilliant hands and my husband's like you always say it completely wrong whatever the judges say i'll say it's sloppy the footwork's sloppy and then the judges will go excellent footwork and i, I know nothing about what i'm talking about and yet i i feel like i'm an expert i say words like fleckle as if i know what that is <laughs> this was nice about strictly is that I feel like throughout the years, it's gotten more and more popular, more and more people start watching it. And people are learning about dance. People now can tell the difference between a cha-cha or a paso doble. And that's kind of nice. So just through watching the show, people are kind of educating themselves on dance, which is amazing for us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew nothing. I mean, I think I could have identified a waltz. And maybe like a jive if I'd if I'd been pressed. But I know all the dances now. I, I think it's I think it's absolutely brilliant. And when it first came on, I thought, oh, it's not gonna like you know, it's 
because it's sort of like the old come dancing uh, that my nan used to watch like I thought I'm not sure if it's going to take off it's absolutely my teenage sons I have a 17 year old son and he doesn't watch anything with me watches loads of dramas on the telly with his dad that like you know superhero ones and violent ones but every year he sits down and watches Strictly with me and we we have a we write in an envelope we all have to write who we think is going to win after the first episode and he always gets it right does he? Always. He should be a judge. We need your son to be one of the judges then. He's got a good eye. <laughs> he said Bill Bailey was going to win, and I was like, no way. He beat me, Jess. Bill Bailey beat me. <laughs> it was a shock to us all. Who knew that Bill Bailey yeah, was going to no, win? I was happy that he won. Do you know what was nice about – I think that year what was really nice about Bill winning, though, is that he was the underdog, and we had had such a bad year with COVID. And so to see someone like Bill, someone of his age, like kind of come out and win the show, it was really special. Of course, I would have loved to win myself, but I think as a as a fan of the show myself, I think it was wonderful to see Bill win. Amazing. So this is all about letter writing. Uh, and you are, I don't wish to insult you, Jeanette, but I often say that people over the age of 35 on this podcast are people who have written letters and people under the age of 35 uh, are not people who write letters. So which camp do you fall into? Well, I am over 35, so I have written letters. Yes. And uh, I do like writing letters. I love, do you know, I had a friend's birthday a couple of days ago. And uh, she was visiting from Slovenia. So she came uh, to visit. and We went to Coldplay concert together. It was amazing for her birthday. And I gave her an actual birthday card and I wrote in it. And she said, oh, my God, I love that you gave me a card. Just like nobody else is giving me a card. And I was like, are people not even giving birthday cards now? Like, that's so bad. I love like receiving a letter or giving a letter. There's something really personal about it that I think we've lost touch with a little bit. Do you have like any letters that you've kept that are really special, like love letters or the letter that told you you were going to get onto Strictly or was that just an email? No, it was just an email. But what I do have, which is really, really cool, at least for me, is I've got a couple of boxes filled with all the letters that fans have written to me throughout the years. I've never thrown a single letter or card away. I have every single one of them uh, here at home with me. And I do kind of, you know, when, you, when I'm having a tough day or if I'm feeling a bit down, if I'm missing my family or anything like that, you know, I pop them out and I just immediately feel like this sense of gratitude for myself or for what I'm doing. For And then I remind myself, that's why I do it. Look how many people's lives you're touching with the work that you're doing. So I do like keeping letters a lot. And I've kept every card that Ali Ash has ever given me as well. Um, I think I've got actually somewhere in that little box I'll have to dig through a little bit, but I know I have it. It's the very first little, like Ali Ash got like on a random notepad piece of paper. He wrote me a message just to say that he'll miss me. Can't wait to see me next time again. It was the first time he like wrote something to me and he left it with this teddy bear that he gave me, which I still have as well. But I've still got that little note that he wrote in that notepad paper like as well yeah I, I think there's something really special about writing letters or writing messages. you keep them yeah. there don't you? you keep them that's why it's special is you're much more likely to keep them i mean not ones from the bank so the fan letters do you ever get a really weird one have you ever had like i mean i get weird letters from people. to be honest with you no i've always just received really 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 lovely letters i think maybe the weirdest one i got it was was somebody complaining about one of my dances while still telling me that they love me. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't like what you did with this tango, but I still love you. And I see you're still one of my favorites. So that was kind of the oddest one. I've got. But uh, no, I think what's nice about Strictly is that the Strictly fans, 
it tends to be families. It tends you get grandmas and grandpas, and then you get like kids and you get teenagers, and then you get all kinds of people that watch the show. And most of them are just really lovely, normal people. A lot of them, a lot of the letters that I've received, like I would say almost half of them, if not more, is from somebody telling me, you know, you've inspired me to pick up dancing. Or they say, I've watched you do the salsa and I loved it so much. I've started going to salsa classes or whatever the case may be. But they, a lot of them have actually said that watching Strictly has really kind of given them that push to get up and go to the dance floor or go to the dance class. And that's really, really rewarding for me. And I think all the people that are involved with Strictly, because ultimately that's what you want. You want to just spread that joy of dance to as many people as you can. And no matter how cynical the celebrities who go on it start out, they all, I'm like, what are they giving them? There's like something in the water at BBC Television Centre because like they all become so enthusiastic about dance. Like even the most cynical who are like, oh, you know, obviously I'm going to get kicked out. They all absolutely like, I've loved it. It's the best. Like they're all crying and things. It's like it's dancing. Like it's so funny how like it transforms their lives. It really does. And I, I think um, that comes down a lot to the pros. I think the professionals do such a good job of making sure that the celebs are enjoying themselves, working hard, obviously. There's lots of highs and there's lots of lows when you do the show. And I think as an individual, I always say that the people that do Strictly, the celebs that do Strictly, they are so brave because they're coming into that show to be judged live on telly to be watched 24 seven in the dance room and then not just be judged by the judges and have to perform, but then also be judged quote unquote by everybody that's watching at home um, and doing something that most of them have never really even thought about doing before ever. And so they're in a very vulnerable position. They really open themselves up to a space of vulnerability. And in that space of vulnerability comes a lot of growth. So you see a lot of celebs that leave the show and they feel like they've changed as a person. You know, being a part of the show has kind of showed them a part of them that they didn't even know existed. So that's why it really ends up touching them because it's not just about dancing strictly. It's a lot about self-discovery and going through this journey and having everyone watch you as you do it. So yeah, I, I think it's a really special show to be a part of. It is. It's immense. So I've asked you to think of three different people you would want to send letters to. And the first is the person who means the world to you. Obviously, you will have lots of people who mean the world to you. So we won't take it that whoever you pick means you don't love everybody else in your life. Well, I mean, my mom and my dad, my brother and my sister, obviously, you know, my, my family is, is my everything. But I think because I, I'm so far away from home, and I don't have any family here in the UK. The person that obviously means the absolute world to me is Aliash. You know, I have no one else in, in this little part of the world but him. And we have each other. And I think the bond that we share is so, so special because we were friends before we actually started dating, <laughs> which means that, you know, he really is my best friend in the world. And we are there for each other through thick and thin. And he's just my my, my partner in life, my partner in work, my partner in every way. And I just feel that, that he, he knows, but I sometimes wish I, I, don't, I don't tell him enough, think I don't tell him enough. Um, so I do on his birthday or anniversaries or on special occasions, I do write him a little letter on a card. You know, it's always quite long. And I just say again, you know, you mean the world to me. And I'm so grateful to have you in my life, to have you as my husband, as my best friend. And yeah, he, he's the one. He's, he means the world to me. I now, being a Strictly Super fan, I can't believe you've never had a letter from like a disgruntled woman who was in love with Ali, Ali Ash because literally everybody 
Honestly, Ali Ash is like, I think he's the pinnacle. I think that he is the one, like, that if I was to ever go on Strictly, it would be Ali Ash. Be Ali Ash. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what everybody thinks. Everybody thinks, oh, Ali Ash. Yeah, do you know what's a really funny story, actually, on that? Um, Sarah Davies, which was Ali Ash's last partner on Strictly, they danced together last year. Um, when she got announced uh, as the celeb on the show, being one of the celebs on the show, she slid into my DMs on Instagram she went, hi, I'm Sora. I'm going to be joining the show. I can't wait to meet you. She goes, by the way, anything you could do to help me make sure I get Aliash on the show? <laughs> so she was very, very pleased when she found out that Aliash was her partner. But I, don't, I haven't gotten any mail or letters from women being angry. That, um, I'm married to them and him and the, that they're not. I do get a lot of women and, and men telling me, you know, how, how lucky I must be to be married to Aliash. He is a very, very special human being. And what's really nice for me to watch um, and to be a part of, really, is how many people he really does affect and how many people he really does make smile. Because every time that we meet people that are fans of the show or fans of ours, the first thing they say is, you are always so happy, Aliash. You've always got that amazing smile. It's so infectious. And he genuinely is. He's genuinely an overall happy-go-lucky, fun guy. So it's nice that that comes across and that people really see it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he seems cheerful all the time. The pair of you just go and be cheerful in, in war zones. I feel like that's something that the nation needs. Um, the, so does he have any family here in the UK? No, we don't have. Uh, his family's all in Slovenia and my family's all in the USA in Miami. So we really only have each other and then the friends that we, we've made our family throughout the years living here in London. And um, in a lot of ways, Strictly was our family. You know, we had a lot of the same producers, same cameramen, same hair and makeup, wardrobe people that we saw for 10 years straight every weekend. So they kind of became a part of our family as well. So Strictly was our kind of, you know how they say Strictly family. <laughs> it really was for us. Um, but, you know, not having our families here is really, really tough because we're both very, very close to our parents and our siblings. And um, to be away from them is tough. And we do try to see them as much as we can. But, you know, life is how it is and things, it, it gets complicated. So at Christmas, for example, we have to like, we can't do both. It, it would be too tough because we don't have enough time off in that time. Uh, so we have to swap it. One year we go to Miami, one year we go to Slovenia and we like swap back and forth every year. Um, and the dream is to hopefully one day be able to spend Christmas with both of our families together somehow, whether my family goes to Slovenia or they go to Miami or we all just go somewhere totally different and then spend Christmas together. But yeah, I think not having family around has given us that extra deep bond with each other because we, we all have each other really here. Yeah, I mean, that would that would make for a pretty intense relationship. Have your families ever met? They have, yeah. So they met when we got married because we had... Well, originally, Ali Ash and I were going to just, just elope, go away somewhere, save our money and have an amazing holiday. Um, and that's it. But, you know, our families would not be happy with that choice. <laughs> so we had three weddings. We had one in London and Ali Ash's family and my family both came to London. So it was about 10 of us, I think, all together. We all were here in London together. And then we all went to Disney for our mini moon. We went to Disney for two days as a family straight after the wedding. And then we all 10 of us again went to Slovenia and had the Slovenia and then all 10 of us got together again and we went to Miami. So they, we hung out literally all the whole family together for about two weeks for the weddings. And it was really, really nice. And then they've seen each other again because there's been times when my family and Aliash's family, for example, they flew over to London this year at the same time. 
to watch Ali Ash and I and remembering the Oscars, which is a show that we just did across the UK. Uh, so they do know each other and they do really get along. But there's something special about spending just Christmas with all of us together. So hopefully one day we'll be able to do it. It'd be nice. I mean, I've got to say, my family all come to me for Christmas and, you know, it's fun the first time. Then tires after a while. How long into you working together on Strictly did you get together? No, we met before Strictly. Yeah, no, we've been together. Next year will be 12 years that we're together. Um, and we both got Strictly at the same time when we were dating. And we were thrilled. You know how they always talk about the Strictly curse and the Strictly curse? Ali Ash and I always said that this has been the Strictly blessing because we didn't know what we were going to do. Because at the time I was living in LA uh, working. Ali Ash was still living in Slovenia. We were at the moment, at the time, <clears throat> doing a show in the West End called Burn the Floor. And the show was going to shut down. And then Aliash and I didn't know what we were going to do. We were either going to have to try the long distance thing or see if we can both get a job in LA or both try and get a job in Slovenia. So it was a really tricky time in our relationship. We just didn't know what was going to happen. And then the producers of Strictly came and watched the show and basically offered both of us a spot on Strictly. And we cried. We screamed. We were just over the moon because we thought, oh my gosh, we can stay together. We're working together. We're going to be on this show. Like it, it was just the biggest dream come true for us to be able to join Strictly together. And then doing Strictly in in the midst of that is when we kind of alias proposed and then we got married. So it's all happened during Strictly. But yeah, we've been together for almost 12 years. Not the Strictly curse. The Strictly curse does seem like it is an actual thing. I know everybody says that, but it's not that it's a strictly curse. It's just that if you get two people and if either one of them is not in a happy place in their relationship or their other half, it's only going to bring it out. So it's not the show's fault. I always say, if you're going to come on and do strictly, make sure that your family is on board, that you understand the pressures it's going to put on your time. Cause you are going to be away from home a lot. You are going to be exhausted. So you won't be able to come home after rehearsal and have all the energy in the world for your families. Um, and that can be tough for families sometimes to deal with, but there are so many beautiful stories that have come out of strictly. I would say more beautiful stories than bad ones, but you know, people like to, the bad stuff don't they i know well the the i mean it's it's basically the tabloid press during the time of strictly come dancing they don't need to bother looking anywhere else for anything it's just like they just follow you lot around the whole time looking for you like any tiny little thing like it's just like here they are at a pub together like so what that they, they, they went to the pub like it's okay they're allowed to go to the pub together so how would you sign off a letter to aliash what would you want to say to him i think i would just say Thank you for all of the most beautiful memories and moments of my life. And hopefully with many, many more to come. Yours truly forever and always with all the love in my heart, your wife, Jeanette. <laughs> so nice that you still, I mean, even when you have to work together, does that not ever get tedious? Like, do you ever think, oh, I just want a break? No, it, I think because we met, we met in 2011 we met and we were dancing in the show together. We weren't partners. We weren't actually dancing together. I was dancing with somebody else and he was dancing with somebody else, but we were in the same show. So we were always together. We were traveling together. We were touring together with the show and we were mates. We were friends for a long time. I think it was a whole year before I actually went on a date with him, like a proper date for the first time. And so all I've ever known is to be with him and around him and working with him. That, that for us is the norm. It's It's been weirder now since I've started doing It Takes Two and morning live and doing other stuff that now it's when it's, I'm like, Oh wow, we're like two different people. <laughs> like, now I miss him a lot more. And I think in a lot of ways, it's like 
you know, I, I, not that our relationship needed reigniting, but the fact that I've been missing him makes me almost fall in love with him even more again. Do you know what I mean? So for us, working together has always been the norm. Not working together is actually what makes what makes us, you know, miss each other. It makes it weird. <laughs> See, me and my husband have never, in our entire relationship, ever, like, slept in the same bed for more than four nights of a week because he was a night shift worker. And then I was elected to Parliament, so I have to live in London half the week. So we live separately from each other. And then when he was a night shift worker and I we had little kids... Like, we were like ships passing in the night. So, really, a bank holiday weekend was a lot of time for us to spend together. Uh, so, the lockdown, it was just sort of like, oh, my God, what if we kill each other? Because <laughs> uh, what? how are we actually going to live together? It was fine, it turned out. It was fine, yeah, it was see? fine, it was fine. But it was, like, a little bit like, are you still here? We have got a spare bedroom, so I was a bit like, you can go... I want the nights where you're not next to me as well as the nights that you are. People say to me, I don't know how you cope with being away from him, like, so much. But actually, you just get used to whatever you're used to, yeah. Yeah, if it's what's normal to you, it's what's what's normal to you. And for Ali Ash and I, it's the opposite. It's being together 24-7 is the normal for us. And we have the same group of friends. I mean, obviously, I've got my girlfriends and he's got his mates as well, but we tend to have, like, the same friends as well. And um, what was nice though, is that for example, when we were both doing Strictly together, we didn't actually dance together because he had his celeb partner. I had my celeb partner. So we didn't really see each other throughout the days at all. We'd end up seeing each other in the evenings or if I had a partner, he had a partner that was outside of London. We'd only really see each other on the weekends. So even though we weren't together, we were on the same job kind of together and we'd still come home and still have something to talk about because our days were totally different which was nice. So um, if there's a celebrity and they don't live in London, I've often I've often wondered this, you you have to go to them, you have to go and spend the week where, like, you know, in Huddersfield or... Yeah, Newcastle. so if your celeb is in Glasgow, you've got to go to Glasgow and you're up there rehearsing the whole week and then you come down to do It Takes Two and then you come down on the Friday to do your camera blocking and then you stay in London Friday night, stay in London Saturday night after the show and then you get back home, yeah. I mean, that is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I hate it when things are really London-centric. I'm glad that, you know, people have to go there. You know, there is a fact about politicians. Apparently, the, the statistically, the worst people ever to go on Strictly Come Dancing are politicians. So I'm done for. I mean, I'm never going to. <laughs> I reckon you'd be fine if you did it, Jess. I mean, Don't I'm you happy. worry. Oh God, he's. I think he's genuinely everybody's favourite. I mean, maybe I'm just just me and my friends were always like, oh, we love Ali Ash, and I loved him when he was with Sarah. Sarah, I thought they were a brilliant combo. They were a great combo. Yeah, they really became like Sarah. Sarah has become basically family to us now. You know, she's she and I have gotten really close. She's just such a lovely human being, and what a hardworking individual. I mean, she was. She would wake up at five a.m., get dressed into her rehearsal clothes, meet Aliash to start rehearsals at 6 a.m. She was dancing at 6 a.m. with Aliash. So they rehearsed from 6 to about 1 every day, 6 a.m. to about 1 p.m., just so that she can meet the kids in the school run and be there for the kids and then go back to her business and keep trying to work on her business and work on her own stuff. She was She's literally a superwoman. I, I, I adore her and Aliash as well. And she's just, we're actually going to see her this weekend. We're, we're going to go away together for the weekend. So we're going to, fly out tomorrow morning and spend the weekend with her because she's, she's a very special person. Yeah. They had a really great bond. on the show. 
Yeah, you could tell. You could tell, like, and his, her family, and his, like, she's a really good example of if you're happy in your family, and they they became part of it. Like, her family became part of it. Um, but I mean, Rose was just a steamroller of the last season. Anyway, I mean, I'm yeah, just- I think I don't know if anybody would have been able to beat Rose. I mean, John got really close. John was phenomenal. Yeah. But- oh, he was brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, and actually AJ as well. I felt really sad for AJ not being able to dance in that final. I mean, I I had tears in my eyes. I think everybody in the studio that day had tears in their eyes because they knew how talented she was, how much she fought that whole competition to be there. So to not be able to dance in the final, I was really gutted for her. But I think Rose was a very worthy winner. Very, very worthy winner. Rose was going to win from the get-go, mainly because, uh, you know, like, you know, Giovanni, I just felt like she totally, like, tamed him. And uh, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, who uh, sadly died quite suddenly at the beginning of this year, she was like a massive Strictly super fan. And she, she would say about Rose and Giovanni, she was just like, oh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, she's totally tamed him and, like, like she's the kind of person that his mum would like, sort of thing, like a sort of mum. Yeah, I used to make jokes. I said they are the, the true life story of Beauty and the Beast. She's tamed <laughs> Although I, say, I think Giovanni is also up there as one of the tops who everybody loves. I feel like my girlfriends, they're keen on Giovanni. I know, a lot of girls are keen on Giovanni, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, we've got two new boys. You might fall in love with one of our two new boys. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Carlos and Vito. I've seen videos of them dancing. They're phenomenal. And the, and the two new girls, Lauren and Michelle, they're phenomenal dancers. So I think this series we're going to get a lot of really good dancing from all of the professionals because the team is amazing. Really, really good team. So the second letter I asked you to think about was to somebody who's no longer with us. So who would you send that letter to? So when I was little, or when I was born, really, my mom and my dad were very, very young. Mom and dad were only 18 uh, when I was born. And my dad was still graduating from high school. And then he had to go straight into working full time. Mom was going straight into working full time after I was born just to support me, really. And my grandparents were very young. You know, my grandparents were, I think, in their 40s or something like that by that point. So they were very young to be grandparents. Um, so my great grandmother, her name was Mercedes, Mercedes, if you say it in, <laughs> in English, Mercedes. And she was the one that kind of raised me while mom and dad and my grandparents were off at work because she was home and she could look after me. And I remember being a little girl going to school and then she'd, you know, meet me after school and she'd take me to go and play with kittens that always like kind of, there was a little cat that always had kittens that were always born in the same little area every, every little bit. And she was just, she was literally a saint, you know, in my life. And unfortunately she passed away in her sleep, uh, which is a very peaceful way to go. But she passed away when I was only seven. And it really, really, really hit me as a kid really hard. She wasn't very old either, but, you know, she she did pass in her sleep. And it was very, a bit of a shock for the family, really. But I think for me, more than anyone, you know, my mom and my dad tried to explain, but I just couldn't, you know, I found it really hard because she was my everything. And then I think in a lot of ways from my mom and my dad just growing up and if I was feeling sad or if I was having a tough day or if I had a big, big thing coming up, you know, my mom and my dad would always say, don't forget your grandma's watching over you and your grandma's going to be on your side. You're never alone. Because even when mom and dad aren't there, your grandma's always right there by your side. And I think in a very like 
I don't know if you believe in guardian angels or anything like that, but I do feel like in a very beautiful way, she's always watching over me. And whenever I do feel nervous or I do feel scared, I just feel like if I close my eyes and think of her, I feel a huge sense of calm and comfort. So she would be the one that I would love to write a beautiful letter to and just say thank you for always being there for me. And even after she passed, I do feel like she's always been by my side and she is my, my guardian angel. The day that I got married, because before she passed, she gave me this amazing necklace with a beautiful cross on it because she was very religious. And the day I got married, I had the cross sewn into my wedding dress so that she can be there with me on my wedding day. So she means wow. the, the absolute world to me still. And my family all say that I look exactly like her. So when I look at photos of her, you know, they're black and white, old vintage photos. But when you look at a photo of her when she was young and you look at me, we are literally identical. We look so much alike. More, I look more like her than I do my own mom and dad. And my grandfather, who's her son, you know, he used to always say to me like, oh my God, you're, you're my mom again today. <laughs> Just saying. So she's, she's a very special, special soul, I think, in my life. That is, I feel her. I feel like she's still around. And so you're, she lived in Miami, but you're Cuban, aren't you? Your family is Cuban. Yeah. Originally. So my family left Cuba, um, I think it was in 1980. Obviously, Cuba became a communist country and there was a dictatorship. And um, my my grandfather kind of grew up in it and my dad felt it a bit and my mom felt it a bit. They left, I think, when they were like 13 or 14 years old. Um, and so they, they left in very different ways. My dad went to Madrid for a few months, then New York City and then down to Miami. And my mom went through Costa Rica and then she escaped Costa Rica and came on a boat to Miami. And my mom and dad met each other again in Miami and they wrote love letters to each other that whole time, you know, growing up as kids. So when my families were both here in Miami, uh, my grand, my great grandmother came with them and my great grandfather and, you know, they were just a little bit too old to start working. So that's when my grandparents were the ones that kind of took over and opened up a Cuban restaurant and everybody kind of started pitching in the best way that they could. But my grandma, she didn't speak English and, you know, she kind of really raised me in the Cuban ways. So in a, in a strange way, I feel almost more Cuban than I do American, even though obviously America is just a melting pot of lots of different countries anyway. Um, but she kind of raised me in, in, in the Cuban ways. And I spoke Spanish before I spoke English. I had to learn English at school because grandma didn't speak English, you know? <laughs> so yeah, she, um, she was the one that really kind of, you know, created, uh, that, that kind of sense of Cubanness in me. <laughs> I think that lots of people, certainly in America, like you say, because it is just, the land of immigrants essentially and I think lots of people feel it's like Irish pretty much everybody I know is a bit Irish like they feel like Ireland is home even though they've never lived there <laughs> like their grannies I mean I think it I think it largely does come from grannies and granddads that if your granny and granddad are Irish like the sense of home being the place where they originated from. I was born in the USA from Cuban immigrants I'm I'm not allowed to visit. I'm not allowed to go. And if I do go, I think I think I lose all kind of I fall under a Cuban jurisdiction and I lose my American rights or something like that. I don't know. It's really complicated. So I've never actually been able to go. And I feel like the day that I actually have the opportunity to set foot on Cuba and kind of go and see my parent where my parents grew up and the little village that they grew up in and just see my family's history and culture. It's going to be a very emotional <laughs> moment. So crossing my fingers, I can get that sometime soon. That is an unusual, well, maybe I have lots and lots of um, migrant families who've fled 
despotic regimes who live in my constituency. Um, but like, it's quite unusual not to be able to revisit like where your parents came from and grew up in, especially because it forms so much part of the culture of like dance and things and music that you have dedicated your life to Cuban rhythms and Cuban soul and all of that. Um, that comes out of the culture that you come from. It seems heartbreaking to think that you you yeah. So Cubans, we created we created the rumba, we created cha cha cha, we created son. Like a lot of the stuff that you see on Strictly really stems from Cuban culture and Cuban music and Cuban dancing. So I mean, I I'm kind of hoping that one day when I do get to go. I can dance a cha-cha-cha in Cuba. You know, that would be amazing for me to be able to do that someday. You know, great, my great-grandma, Mercedes, she's, um, yeah, she's always been my, my, my guardian and my guide and just my sense of calm when things can get really tough. And so how would you sign off a letter to your amazing grandma, Mercedes? I'm not going to try and say it in... Mercedes. <laughs> um, I think I would sign it off by just saying, uh, I'll probably say it in Spanish. I'll say it in Spanish and then I'll translate it. Abuela Mercedes, gracias por todo el cariño que, ama, que me has dado esos pocos años y durante toda mi vida. Con todo mi corazón, tu nieta, Janet. And that means uh, to, my, to my beautiful grandmother, thank you so much for all of the love and uh, support that you've given me, not only in the seven years of my life that we shared together, but throughout my entire life still. From your granddaughter that loves you dearly, Jeanette. Oh, that's lovely. It sounded really romantic in Spanish. Español es un idioma muy lindo. Spanish is a very beautiful language. It's one of the love languages, Spanish. Yeah. I often think people in other countries think that it's interesting when people speak in English, but I, I can't imagine that it sounds in any way dramatic. <laughs> it's a way that, that like, other, like people who speak in French, Italian and Spanish, it just sounds so beautiful. doesn't matter what they're saying. Yeah, it, it, I, I do. I've always wanted to learn Portuguese and French, actually. I've always wanted to learn both of those. Maybe someday I will, but I really love it. Um, but Spanish is nice. And when you hear Spanish music, when you hear like a Spanish ballad, oh, it's so romantic. <laughs> Did you ever feel like any affinity to Spain? Well, I, because, again, Cuba in, is a very similar situation to the USA in that the language that is spoken in Cuba is Spanish because it was taken over by the Spaniards, you know, many, 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 many years ago. So there is an affinity to Spain from a lot of people in Cuba. So my grandmother, she she watches um, the news from Spain because she just feels a connection to Spain. You know, she's always done it. But in my family, it's interesting because on my grandmother's side, so my dad's side, on that side, they are Italian, um, French, and then on my mom's side, they are from Spain and Mexico. So, but all of them somehow ended up being in Cuba. So again, interestingly enough, when you look, I've always wanted to do that really proper family tree to find out like who and what has been a part of my life and my story. And um, I think you'll find for all of us, really, we all stem from many, many different parts of the world. And then that leads to where we are now. I've, I've always had this this thought that like we are not we are not from one place we are all from every place like we are from planet earth really if you want to think more than like the lines that divide countries you know you grew up in a certain space in a certain culture and that sticks with you for life but really we are all from everywhere you know <laughs> were your grandparents happy living in america were they glad were they proud to be american oh yeah you know when my 
me and my mom and my dad talk about it all the time, actually, which is really nice for me to hear. But, you know, if you think they left Cuba to have better opportunities and freedom to do what they wanted, because in Cuba they had no freedom and they couldn't do what they wanted. And my grandfather wanted his kids and his grandkids to have the opportunity to do and be whatever they wanted to be. And so my mom and my dad always tell me how proud they are of me because I was literally, I became the American dream. I was born there and I've just, you know, they, they've always told me just chase your dreams, no matter how big they are, just go for it. And they've always supported every single one of my decisions. So I think for them to see me being really successful here in the UK and creating a career for myself and doing something that I love, you know, when you're passionate about what you do, it just feel like work. And so they're, they're very, very proud of me. And they always say, you know, you're, you're the dream. You, this is why our families left. This is why we did it. So that when you came along and your brother and your sister came along, you guys can be and do whatever you wanted. Um, so it's really special for me to be able to kind of do that for them. You know, I always, I always have in the back of my mind, I want to make them proud because ultimately they did everything they did. They left their country for me, really. Especially girls. Girls' opportunities to do anything in the world. And there's plenty of young girls at the moment who need to flee places so that they could do anything they wanted. And it's nice because when I talk to them, uh, you know, they kind of... You, I think all of us are guilty of that. You know, you get lost in the day. You just go, go, go. You don't think. You're just working and busy. The next email, the next thing, the next that. You just go, go, go. And then every now and then I sit down. If I get a great opportunity for work, I was like, oh, mama, I'm going to be the host of It Takes Two. I was screaming and crying and super happy. But then this year, you know, when I, I'm back on It Takes Two again this year, and I sat, sat down and I was like, okay, great, cool. I'm back, super excited, amazing. I said to my mom and dad, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be back on It Takes Two. And they're like, oh. You're back, Jeanette. Oh my God, our daughter again hosting a BBC. So they really ground me. I go, yeah, I'm doing that. You know, they kind of give you like bring you bring your feet down and take a second to really have gratitude for all the things that are coming my way. Because for them, that's the dream. You know, oh my God, our daughter being, you know, living her best life and doing what makes her happy and being successful. That for them is is very important and very special. So it's nice to talk to them because they always kind of bring me right back down to being humbled and grateful and appreciative for all of it. We'll be back for the final letter after this short break. But first, let me tell you about something exciting coming up. This autumn, I'm hosting my first ever live audience recording of Yours Sincerely. I'll be closing off the final night of the Birmingham Literature Festival by interviewing the author, broadcaster and founder of Beauty Banks, Sally Hughes. Come and join us on October the 9th at the Birmingham Rep for a great conversation and the chance to ask your own questions. To find out more and get tickets, visit the Birmingham Literature Festival website, which will be linked in the description. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So the last letter I asked you to think about was to somebody who doesn't know what effect they've had on your life who would be surprised to hear it so who would you send that letter to so this one i i cannot pick one because i had to pick two but you'll see what i mean and why i had to pick two because i am a big sister i am the big oldest of three so my brother is six years younger his name is alejandro what a cool name (laughs) and then my younger sister is um she's 13 years younger than me and her name is leslie and Alejandro and Leslie, we call him Alex for short, just because it's fun. But Alex and Leslie are, you know, I think they come to me a lot for advice. And I've always kind of been like a second mom. You know, I've definitely always played the big sister role, looking after them, advising them, you know, being there by their side when they needed me. But in a lot of ways, I don't think they realize how much I've needed them as well. You know, my sister and my brother they give me advice. They give me a sense of calm. They give me a feeling of, you know, I'm never going to be alone in this world because I have a brother and a sister. And, um, and I just, I feel so, so grateful to, to be a big sister and to have a little brother and a little sister that I, I genuinely consider like best friends of mine. You know, I tell my brother everything. I tell my sister everything. We're super, super close. And I don't see them often because they're in Miami and I'm here. So, you know, I think they, they would be surprised to hear of their big sister saying, I need you and I love you and you make my life that much better for being in it, you know, because they are the ones that always come to me for advice <laughs> or help. But they, they, are, they are very, very special individuals. What do they do in Miami? What, what, do they, what are their professions? So my brother, um, God knows what my brother's doing. My brother's that guy that like hops from job to job. One minute he's working in hospitality and then the next minute he's in sales. And then the next minute he loves like doing and trying different things. At the moment, I think he's back in sales. Um, he was working with a company that was um, selling and chartering boats, which was really cool. But he's just left that job and started a new one. And I haven't gotten the update on the new one yet. <laughs> but that's my brother. He's um he's a very free spirit. He loves traveling. He's been all over the world. And he's a, re- I, I call him the unicorn. He's a unicorn, my brother. And then my little sister, Leslie, she was studying literature at uni. And she just got her first job that she's actually, she's had lots of jobs, you know, but they were like jobs that you take while you're at uni. 
but she just got her first job as an actual copywriter for a really big firm. And so she's buzzing. She's buzzing. I didn't say she's so excited because she's actually now applying what she studied to what she does. But my, my brother and my sister, although they're younger than me, they are old souls. You know, they, when I talk to them, I don't feel so much like they're younger than me. We just connect on a very serious level. My brother was just here um, and he came and spent 10 days with me here in London. And then in, in the midst of that, we went to Ibiza together, the two of us, just, just me and my brother, which was amazing. And then now me and my sister are going to go to Greece, just me and my sister, so we can spend some quality time. Because when I go home to Miami, um, I have so many... My family's huge. So I go home to Miami and my time gets taken up by mom and dad and grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles. And my brother and my sister always be like, yeah, but we need, I want one-on-one time with you. I don't want to share you with anyone. So it's nice that I can take a little trip away with them individually and just spend that like really bonding time with them. I, I think that the old soul thing, I mean, your sister is an entirely different generation to you. I mean, 13 years apart. I have a brother who's 11 years older than me and uh, I'm the youngest of four. And I think that I'm the oldest soul of all of them. doesn't matter how old you are. Like I'm, the, I'm definitely the one who doles out all the responsibility, but I'm the only girl. That's why. You're the only girl. Oh, well, Leslie is an old soul for sure. I mean, I talk to her and I forget that she's so much younger than me. You know, although she still has a lot of experiencing left to do in the world because she's only, I think, she's 25 now. Gosh, I can't believe she's 25. Every time I say that out loud, it's like crazy to think. And then my brother, you know, he's, he's I would say he's not an old soul. My brother is just more, if you meet my brother, you will never forget my brother. That's the kind of person my brother is. I think a person called... Alejandro is memorable. Like I feel like it's a yeah, name. yeah. And uh, when 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 the three of us hang out together, when I was home in Miami, the three of us went for dinner and and drinks to this place that my brother loves in Miami, and the three of us just spent the whole night together. And it was just a laugh with with us because he's the he's the only boy with the two girls, and um, he loves his two sisters, and his two sisters love him. But he's definitely known in the room. He's that guy that like when he walks in, you can't not not take a moment to say hi and talk to him. <laughs> oh, he sounds excellent. Um, so your, your, you, your sister must have been really little when you left home. Yeah, I left home actually when I was 20. I moved out of my parents' house and on my own, uh, but I stayed in Miami, but I wasn't home home. And then when I left and I moved to LA, she was still very young. She was just a teenager really. So it was hard for me and her because I think that we had such a huge age gap. It's only in the last, like, I would say 10, maybe like five to seven years or something like that, that we've gotten really, really close because now we can talk about the same kind of things. We, we sit in a space where we can really communicate with each other and understand each other's lives a lot more than when we were kids. Because when she was born, I mean, I was 13 years old. I was babysitting her and I was looking after her. And then when I was in high school, she was just getting into elementary school. So it was hard for us to feel like sisters. She always saw me more like an aunt, you know. And then now in the last few years, we've finally, I think because the age, you know, once you pass a certain age in the 20s, now we really are like real, real close sisters, which is nice. It's music to my ears as somebody with two teenage sons who hate each other. Uh, that I, I keep holding on to the fact that when they're adults, they will be glad of each other. But at the moment, they are glad when the other one is not there. 
Yeah, that'll change. That'll change. <laughs> really hope. I'm like, they hate each other. So like they can't even tolerate each other for a second. I'm like, oh, yeah, but that's God. like anything. When, when we were kids, me and my brother, we're a little bit closer. We're six years apart. When my brother was around and he was a little boy and I was just a little girl or a teenager. I remember I brought my first boyfriend over to meet my parents. And my mom and my dad were like, yeah, you can go to the movies with him, but you have to take your brother. Because he was like, you know, he was the one that had to make sure Jeanette didn't do anything wrong. And he loved it. He's like, you have to take me to the movies with your boyfriend. So there was a stage going up with my brother. And I was like, oh, gosh, I could. <laughs> if only I could, but I can't. But um, I think in a lot of weird ways, those fights and those like kind of moments growing up only brought us closer, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like. I think it's nice when the the idea that your younger siblings are, you know, you wouldn't be able to cope without them because for many years they are just an irritant. So it's nice to hear they're not, you know, that actually. I think it's right when my mum died. I was eternally grateful that I wasn't alone on that rung. That there was other people on that rung of the ladder with me. Like it makes a massive difference as you get older having siblings I think I think it's like I, I don't think we think about how close we are to our siblings actually especially because you all live far away from each other often and and do you worry that they will be better friends because they live near each other no they live together oh my gosh yeah so they both my, my brother has been living out of the house for a few years now but my sister Leslie she she just moved out for the first time and she was nervous about leaving home. So my brother said, well, why don't we move in together and it'll feel a little bit easier for you. And then we can split the rents and we, we're brother and sister anyway. And they do get along really well, even though they're polar opposites in personalities, but they do, it works. And so they actually live together in an apartment on, in downtown Miami. And I don't get jealous. I just wish I could, you know, spend more time in that flat with them, you know, and hanging out with them and laughing with them. Uh, but you know, I think of anything as their big sister, and this is the big sister side of me. I'm so, so grateful that they have each other over there because I sometimes feel really guilty that I can't be there for them physically. You know, I can't, if something God forbid was to happen, I can't just like get in a car and hop over and be there. You know, I'm a nine hour flight away from them. So for me to know that they have each other and that they're that close and that they really get along and that they have one another to lean on gives me a real big sense of peace um, and, and happiness to know that they've got that for each other. So how would you sign up your letter to Leslie and Alejandro? I feel like Alejandro won the name. Do you know what was cool about that, actually? A side story. I named both my brother and my sister. So mom and dad gave me, with my brother, they gave me two options. I don't even remember the other one. But they said, it, he can be called either this or Alejandro. Which one do you like more? And I said, oh, definitely Alejandro. So I picked the name for him. And then with Leslie, her name is Leslie Marie. And with Leslie, my mom and dad said, you pick the name. I love that you named your uh, younger siblings because that happened to me. I was named by my brothers. And so my brother, Luke, who is only a year older than me, he is called Luke because of Luke Skywalker. And I'm called Jess because my nan was called Jess. I was like, why don't you call me Leah? Like Princess Leia? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I think my mum probably would have vetoed that. But uh, yeah, Luke and Leia, we could have been Luke and Leia. So I think it's good to let your children... Apparently, in the uh, sort of 70s and 80s, it was the perceived wisdom to allow your older children to name your younger children in order that they felt part of it. Like, that's what my mum told me, that, that that was like, you know, it was sort of like a sort of the child psychology thing at the time is to make them feel part of it, is to let them name them. But that's risky, isn't it? Could end it up with a kid. 
Yeah, it is risky. But, I mean, Jess is a beautiful name. And it was your nan's name. It was my nan's name. Yeah, Yeah. this is a nice name. (laughs) A bit worse. Uh, But Luke is, I mean, it's cool to, although Luke Skywalker is not the best character in Star Wars. He could have been called Han. That would have been better. Oh, that would have been cool, yeah. That would have been cool. Um, So, how would you sign off your letter to your brother and sister? What would you say? Oh, I would say keep looking after each other. Your big sister is so proud of you. And no matter what, I will always love you and be here for you. Cannot wait to see you again and squeeze you and hug you. Your big sister, always and forever, with all the love in the world, Jeanette. Jeanette, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you. And I can't tell you... This like I will I'll go away and not be cool about it. But I am such a massive fan. I can't tell you you and Aliash, you are literally like the strictly dream. And you've been a total pleasure to talk to. So thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. I think this is such a beautiful podcast to talk about people that you love and are appreciative for the whole sense of gratitude for the ones that are and are not in our lives anymore. It's really nice to like reminisce and talk about. So thank you for having me. I've absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.